Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Well, good morning, church family. Good to see you all. And uh, today is March 19th. You know what happens March 21st? Spring. Does it look like spring out there? No, it doesn't. But that's okay. We'll take what God gives us and uh, rejoice about that. Yes, children, go right ahead. We're going to be here in the uh, book of Colossians again uh, here this morning. And uh, some of you were perhaps thinking that we were, we were done, and I was looking at all the, uh, the messages that uh, we worked through so far, and I counted up 39 of them, and I thought, well, you know, that's just not a good, nice round number, so we got to push it to 40. No, not really. Um, I just couldn't get in all the, the things that I wanted to talk to you about uh, last week that we did, so wanted to kind of work our way through a couple other things here as well. And I wanted to show you some things about the result of all of us actually serving uh, together in the church body, what the result of that uh, will be uh, if we do that, because all of us are called to be servants or ministers uh, to the body of Christ. And when we actually do serve uh, the body of Christ what the result of that will be. And uh, the things that we're going to discuss should be really the goal of every believer in Jesus Christ. And when we minister or serve the body, the the result of that is going to be maturity in the body of Christ. I mean, that should be the uh, main end goal, is that all of us would be mature in Christ and that the body would be mature. And I believe that Paul said it well in Colossians that we labor to present every man mature in Jesus Christ. Now, looking forward in the coming weeks, uh, it's the desire of us elders here to actually be uh, helping you understand and defining what the spiritual gifts are that God has gifted you with, but also um, helping you discover what uh, those gifts are and uh, provide for you the opportunities for you to use those in the body of Christ to serve and minister to others. And so as we finish up Colossians today, uh, this is what I want you to take away with you. I am part of the body of Christ. Am I doing all that I can do to help it mature? I am part of the body of Christ. Am I doing all that I can do to help it mature? So let's take note here a few things in our uh, text here this morning um, in uh, Colossians uh, 4, uh, verses uh, 7 through 18. Number one, help the body of Christ mature by praying. So if we are going to be serving in the body, and if, we, if it's our desire to help the body mature, how is that going to happen? Well, here's one way that we can help the body mature, and that is by praying. Notice what Paul says here about prayer and maturity. Look at uh, verse number 12. He writes, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf. Note it in his prayers that you may, what? Stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. 
For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. See, notice what he says here. He is struggling on their behalf. For what purpose is he praying that they would be mature? And this is a great way that we as servants, as ministers in the body of Christ, can actually help the body mature is through prayer. It's the same word that uh, Paul used in Colossians 1.28 about being mature, that presenting every man mature in Christ. He also says that he prayed that, notice this, that they would be fully assured in what? The will of God. Now, what is this will of God that he is praying for? It's not for something of like, God, where should I move? God, where should I work? Uh, God, who should I do this or what should I do that? That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the revealed, the, the revealed will of God that is revealed to us through the word of God. Paul actually prayed the same thing. If we remember, take a look back in Colossians 1.9. Paul prays this and he says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Do you see it there? God's will for us is revealed in his word. The word of God gives us everything that pertains to life and godliness. How to live, how to walk, how to handle our problems in a biblical way. Are you living according to the revealed word of God? Are you living in accordance to what God says in his word? See, this was Epaphras. This is what he was praying for. This is what he was struggling for in his prayers for those in this church. And he's struggling and he's saying, God, I want them to stand mature. I want them to know what the will of God is as it's revealed in the word of God, how to live in accordance to the word of God. Coupled with God's word is the importance of prayer. Paul prayed often for the Colossians. We see it in Colossians 1.3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Verse number 9, as we already mentioned. But here in Colossians 4.12-13, he commends Epaphras for his prayers. And he says he's always struggling on your behalf that you may be mature. The words he uses here are military terms. Notice what he says always struggling. It's the word that we get uh, for the verb for to agonize. It's a, it's a military term. He's agonizing in prayer for them. Uh, it, it had the idea of meaning to wrestle in hand-to-hand combat. Now, is there anybody in here that's ever wrestled in hand-to-hand combat? Has anybody in here wrestled? Okay, a few of you. Do you realize the agony that goes on with that? Trying to maneuver and get a person, right? This is, this is what Epaphras is going through in his prayers. He's agonizing on their behalf that they would stand mature. Then notice what he says here, that he has worked hard. He says, verse 13, for I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you. Or you, perhaps your translation reads, has a deep concern This was used for the pain of struggling in battle. It emphasizes the effort that is involved. This is a good reminder that if we desire to see maturity in the body of Christ, as we pray, we are going to be engaged in combat with what? Not the flesh. 
Remember what Paul reminds us in the uh, book of Ephesians chapter number 6, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Spiritual powers, principalities, the unseen forces of darkness. It's a spiritual battle to pray. And Paul says that Epaphras was struggling in prayer so that these people might be mature in their Christian faith. 1 Peter 5.8 reminds us to be watchful because of our adversary Satan is walking about like a lion seeking whom he may devour. So what exactly does this maturity look like? What was Epaphras praying for here? Maturity includes being wise and discerning. Mature people are spiritually and emotionally stable. Their lives are marked by the fruit of the Spirit. What is that? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We can recognize a true follower of Jesus by their fruits. That's what Jesus said, right? By their fruits you shall know them. Are they manifesting the fruits of the Spirit? And this is what we ought to be praying for so believers would stand mature in Christ. Are you producing the fruit of the Spirit? Am I producing the fruit of the Spirit? You see, maturity does not mean you have been in a church for X amount of years. You can sit in a church all you want to, and you can hear all the teaching that you want to, and still not be mature in Christ. Maturity is the fact of when you recognize and see that you need to be growing in Christ. This is a part of repenting of sinful behaviors and trusting in Jesus more and more that he's going to change and transform your life. See, that's spiritual maturity. Are you growing in Christ? Are there areas of your life that you've been turning from unbelief to belief? Are you striving to live a life that has been changed by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? I want you to notice one of the fruits of the Spirit that Paul links with maturity. Look at verses 7 and 9 here in uh, Colossians 4. He makes mentions of this about Tychicus. He says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and market and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our, mark it again, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. And so this idea of faithfulness, that's one of the marks of, the, of, a, of a spiritually mature individual that's producing the fruits of the Spirit, is faithfulness. And Paul says here that they are a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. And he mentions this about Tychicus and Onesimus. And I believe he also implies it here of uh, these other three men here. Uh, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, and also Jesus, who is called Justice. He says, they are my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. They were faithful in what they were doing for Christ. Are you being a faithful minister? Are you being a faithful servant for Christ? What should we be praying for in our church body? Pray that we would be mature in faithfulness. Pray that we uh, would, would mature spiritually, that we would agonize in prayer, that, that we would stand mature in Christ. Men, are you praying 
that you would be faithful to Christ. Ladies, are you praying that you would be faithful to Christ? Husbands, are you praying that you would be a faithful minister, not only to your family, but to those within the church? Ladies, are you praying that you would be a faithful minister in your family, but also to those in the church? Are we praying for one another that we would be faithful to Christ? We should take Epaphras' example to heart and help the body of Christ mature by praying for one another that we would be mature in Christ. Here's the second thing. Help the body of Christ mature through faith and love. Paul's goal for every believer is maturity. And this should be our goal as well. Are we contributing to the maturity of the body? Turn over to uh, chapter 1 here in Colossians here real quick. And Paul says this is his aim. Look at uh, Colossians 1.28. Notice what he says. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. You see what Paul was saying there? He's saying our goal, our aim, even in this church, was that they would warn people and that they would teach people. They would proclaim Christ so that they would stand mature in Jesus. You see, not only is this Paul's goal, but in reality, this is God's aim as well. Work your way backwards a few verses earlier in Colossians 1.22. Notice what he says here about this purpose for maturity. Colossians 1.22, he says, He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to what? Present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You see, that's God's goal in, in our maturity as well. And so Paul is just taking cue from God, and he's just saying, hey, I'm going to do the exact same thing, and I'm going to help to present every believer mature in Jesus Christ. To be holy and blameless and above reproach is the same as being mature or complete in Christ. As you'll see, the way that God matures the church is through faith in our relationship with him and love that we have towards others in the body. Are we maturing and helping the body mature in that way? Faith and love, these seem to be really reoccurring themes throughout all of Paul's letters. We see it all throughout this letter in Coloss- uh, to Colossae as well. Paul's desire is that they would become mature through their faith in Jesus and their love towards one another. And here are two things that are emphasized in this letter, in, in this uh, letter to Colossae, that help bring about maturity in the body. Here it is. Number one, be mature in your relationship with Christ through faith. If you really want to help serve the body of Christ here at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship, then that means you yourself need to be mature in your faith and relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at Colossians 1. Uh, We see this uh, all throughout Colossians 1, 1, all the way through uh, Colossians 3, uh, verse number 4. And throughout the whole book of Colossians, you see this emphasis that is placed on Christ. We need to focus on Christ, set our minds and affections on Christ. And the reason Paul made such a strong emphasis, because if you remember, there were false teachers that were in this church. They were trying to distract people from following Jesus. 
And Paul had to go, go and, and, and try to uh, correct this kind of stuff. And the, uh, Paul was confronting them. They were emphasizing their legalistic philosophy over and above Jesus Christ. Uh, in the opening paragraph, Paul mentions not only faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but also love for one another. Take a look at the way Paul emphasizes these two things in uh, Colossians 1, uh, 3 through 6. He says this, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ. There it is, your faith in Christ. And mark it, faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of this, you have heard before the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. You see, faith in Christ Jesus is the beginning point of a relationship with God. And if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then you haven't even begun on that journey yet. And so I would encourage you that even if you have sat in this church for X amount of years, but yet you have never repented of sin and turned to faith in Christ, you need to do so. Because Christ is the one that paid the penalty for your sin on the cross. He bore the wrath of God on, for you so that you could have forgiveness, so that you could have restoration, so that you could have peace in your life through Christ. And so Paul tells us about this, that this faith in Christ is something that is, that is important. In Colossians 1, Paul goes on to mention his prayer that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in all respects. Then he magnifies the preeminence of Jesus Christ over all creation. Now, you might be thinking, okay, Mike, I, I have faith in the Lord Jesus. I, I, I'm a follower of Christ. I, I've believed in Christ. How does my faith in Christ help the body of Christ mature? Good question. Throughout the first two chapters, Paul magnifies Christ as he contrasts his ministry with the false teachers who threatened the Colossian church. He wanted every person to come to a true knowledge of Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He wanted each person to continue walking in Christ Jesus, the Lord, even as they had received him. That's uh, Colossians 2, 6 through 7. And because in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, all that we have received from God centers in Jesus Christ. We are totally identified with him as what Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says. So that when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So here's the idea. If you have received Christ as your Savior, and you know Jesus, and you should be growing in maturity in Christ, then that in turn, as you live out your Christian faith walk, should be helping the body of Christ mature. And it's done in this way. Because of your relationship with Jesus, are you helping others be mature in their relationship with Christ? Are you coming alongside others and helping them mature in Christ? You see, this doesn't happen through programs. This happens through one-on-one -on -one discipleship. This may be somebody calls you and says, hey, would you like to hang out for a little bit? 
That's how it works. And as you grow in your relationship with one another, you are helping them and they are helping you. There's a sharpening that is going on. As iron sharpens iron, you're living for Christ and you are helping them live for Christ. They're living for Christ and they are helping you live for Christ. There's a maturity that goes on. This means being faithful to Christ and encouraging others to do the same. This means striving to live a holy life because you are in so love with Jesus and you want to live for him and that by your example, you are encouraging others to do the same. Because of your faith in Christ, your maturity in Christ should be our top priority. All that we do as a church should aim at helping each person become mature in Christ. Are you doing your part? Older women in here, are you helping the younger women in here to become mature in Jesus Christ? Older men in here, are you helping the younger men in here to become mature in Jesus Christ? Faithful servant, are you helping those who struggle in being faithful to mature in Christ? Those who are spiritual, are you helping those who have been overtaken in a fault be mature in Christ? Those of you who are hopeful, are you helping those who are often discouraged and find themselves without hope to mature in Jesus Christ? As you grow in your relationship with Jesus through faith, becoming more mature, it is up to you to present every man mature in Jesus Christ. That's all of our jobs in here. When we come together on Sunday mornings, what should we be doing? Helping others mature in Jesus Christ. Here's the second thing. Be mature in your relationships with others through love. We see this clearly in Colossians 3, uh, 5, all the way through Colossians 4, 1, and also in uh, verses 7 through 18. After magnifying Jesus Christ in Colossians 1, 1 through 3, 4, Paul applies this to our relationships. We are to put to death the members of our body with regard to sexual immorality and greed, Colossians 3, 5. We should also cast off all anger, abusive speech, and lying, Colossians 3, 8 through 9. And in place of these practices of the old man, we are to put on the behaviors of the new man which may be summed up as love, is what Colossians 3, uh, 12 through 14 says. He says, put on then as God's chosen holy ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Slaves should obey their masters, and masters should treat their slaves with justice and fairness. We even looked at that whole thing about husbands and wives and how the children, and how the home is supposed to work together in all of this. So that's what we're aiming at, maturity. Our desire should be that each person is maturing in their faith walk with Jesus, and each person should be maturing in their relationships with each other in the church by relating to one another in love. Is this something that you desire for this church body? Is this something that you desire in your own life? Do you want spiritual maturity in your own life? Do you want to be spiritually mature? Are you just happy and content with where you are at in your, in your faith walk with Jesus?
You see, we ought to be pushing one another and helping each other mature in Christ. And that comes as a result of our relationship with Christ and our relationships with one another. And so to accomplish this maturity, there will need to be an atmosphere permeating the church. And what should be the atmosphere? Encouragement. Here's the last thing. Help the body of Christ mature through encouragement. Locked away in the Library of Congress is a small blue box. The label reads, Contents of the President's Pockets on the night of April 14, 1865. This was the night when President Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. The box contains these things. A pair of gold-rimmed glasses that were repaired with a string. One pair of folding spectacles in a silver case. An ivory pocket knife. A gold watch fob. A linen handkerchief with A. Lincoln embroidered in red cross stitch. A sleeve button with a gold initial L on dark blue enamel a brown leather wallet that had a Confederate $5 bill, railroad tickets, and some old newspaper clippings. The clippings mention the great deeds of Abraham Lincoln. One of them reports a speech by John Bright, a British statesman, saying that Abraham Lincoln is one of the greatest men of all time. For those of us today who have read about Lincoln, know that he was a great president, but in 1865, the jury was still out on all that. Intense criticism and hardships on both sides he was facing and trying to keep the union together in all of this. And he hoped that uh, he would restore the union. Can you imagine seeing Lincoln pull out those old newspaper clippings and read them over and over. Maybe a night that was very wearisome, that there was something going on, and he would pull out those newspaper clippings and read about how this one man thought that what he was doing was great. Here in these last verses of Colossians, we see that reminder about encouragement in the body of Christ. Think of Paul's situation. He was under house arrest in Rome after two years of house arrest in Caesarea. He had seen the Lord use him to plant a few small churches around Asia Minor and Europe. But some of those churches had major problems. In 2 Corinthians, you can read about the the critics in Corinth that were attacking Paul and his ministry. In Rome, some were preaching against Paul out of envy and strife, as we saw in Philippians uh, 1, 15 through 17. And his main critics, the Judaizers, were following Paul's steps wherever he went, trying to get his Gentile converts to conform to the Jewish laws. Paul's life was marked literally, literally by numerous beatings, imprisonments, and other hardships as he served the Lord. And you can read about that in 2 Corinthians 11, 23-29. And now Epaphras had brought word to Paul of the false teaching that was threatening this uh, young church in Colossae. Sounds like a lot of discouraging situations, doesn't it? I have in my office a box that holds uh, literally a lot of cards, letters, so forth and so on that I've gotten from 
those of you here uh, that I've received since my time ministering here. And I, I tell you, I don't, I, I don't think you know how much of an encouragement it is to me personally uh, to get those, and especially when I get the critical emails, the discouraging phone calls, the snarky remarks, right? And that I can read those things, and it gives me great encouragement. Now, please don't think Mike's having a pity party up here. I'm not, okay? Because when I do have a pity party, you know what my wife tells me? She says, put your big girl panties on. <laughs> Suck it up. You wanted this, right? But there is something about encouragement that helps us. And if we want to see maturity in the body of Christ, there's going to have to be encouragement permeating the very nature of our church family. All of us need encouragement, and Paul was not some super Christian. He needed encouragement just like us. Encouragement is the atmosphere in which maturity can thrive, and I hope that you can see this, that this, this passage right here in, in 7 through 18 just oozes encouragement. Uh, I'll point out a few things here that we'll look at. You see, Paul was a master at giving genuine affirmation to others so that they would be motivated to grow to their full potential in the Lord. Notice in our text these ways encouragement was shown. Number one, encouragement thrives with open communication. Look what he says here about Tychicus. Paul sent Tychicus and Onesimus to inform the church of his situation so that they would be encouraged. He says, Tychicus will tell you all, all, he didn't leave anything out, all, about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose. What's that purpose? That you may know how we are and that he may, what? Encourage your hearts. See, Paul had nothing to hide from them. Remember, he was in prison and other Christian workers in Rome were criticizing him and Paul is very open about his situation. Here's how this relates to encouragement. You're struggling with discouragement over some problem, and someone you know asks, how's it going? And all of us do this because I think it's our, it's our nature to do this, even all the way back in the garden, right? Here's, here's Adam and Eve. They sinned against God. God comes looking for them, and what are they doing? They're hiding. They've covered themselves up with fig leaves. And you know what we do? When we find ourselves in times where we might be discouraged or find ourselves in times where we're struggling with something and somebody asks us, how are you doing? You know what we say? I'm great. Because we don't want to appear weak. We don't want to appear that we need something. I got this. I can figure this out on my own. Paul says, Tychicus is going to tell you of everything. Onesimus is going to tell you of everything that has happened for the purpose so that you might be encouraged. And so if we don't tell people the things that we are going through, we miss, we miss an opportunity for that brother or sister to encourage us and pray with us. Notice also Paul says, I'm sending them to you to tell about what has happened so that you will be encouraged. What? 
How is this possible? How can our circumstances encourage others? Well, if we will interpret our problems through the eyes of faith, we spread encouragement among the Lord's people and help them to view their problems from God's perspective. For encouragement to take place in the body, we've got to be open and communicating the truth. Here's the second thing. Encouragement involves standing with a brother or sister who is unjustly being attacked. Paul says in Colossians 4.11, of the three Jewish brothers, Aristarchus, Mark, and, and Justice, they have been a what? A comfort to me. Your translation may, be, may read, been an encouragement to me. But take a look at that word comfort. It only occurs here in the New Testament, and it has the idea of alleviating pain. Mark, by recovering from his failure and now working alongside Paul, alleviated the pain that he had caused Paul when he deserted him. Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement, had helped Mark recover by giving him another chance. And so Paul was encouraged by the ministry that the son of encouragement had invested in Mark. You see how all that works together there? Together, these three men from the circumcision gave encouragement to Paul because they didn't join in with the circumcision, the Judaizers, in their attacks on Paul and his ministry. And I'll say this, when you're involved in serving, you will be criticized. It's going to happen. People are not going to like what you do, what you say, how you do it. They have a better idea how it should be done. Whatever it may be, you will be criticized and the worst the worst is when it comes from those who claim to know Jesus Christ as their savior that's hard and so at a time like that it's in great encouragement to have brothers like Aristarchus Mark and Justice who stand with you in ministry here's the third thing encouragement is given through verbal affirmation Paul let people know verbally that he cared about them and appreciated their ministries. He affirms each of the workers here, except for who? Demas. Remember what we said? Demas was probably already uh, on his way out, and he was already showing some signs there. We need to remember that we're all serving the same Lord. Tell others in this church body how much you appreciate the work that they are doing. Fourthly, encouragement flows through prayer. I already mentioned about this, about Paphras' prayers, and we see how they were encouraged by his prayers. But it's always an encouragement when you hear that someone has been praying for you. I encourage you to get a church directory and pray through it. Pray for the people that are in that church directory. Because when you see those people at church the very next week, the very next day, whatever it may be, you can say, hey, I have prayed for you. What an encouragement that that would be. Notice Paul's prayer request in Colossians 4.18, remember my chains. Remember them. He needed the encouragement of their prayers. It's also showed the cost of discipleship. Following Christ often leads to increased trials. And make sure that you're holding up one another in prayer. Here's the fifth thing. Encouragement sometimes requires gentle correction and a challenge in a context of affirmation. Notice how Paul carefully exhorts Acrippus here. 
Colossians 4.17. And say to Acrippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Now, why didn't he address him directly? Acrippus, get with it. Come on, get on board. He didn't. He addresses the church. Why? So that the church may affirm him. So that the church may say, yes, we are behind you. Come on, let's do it. Let's get together. Let's go for it. And so there was sometimes encouragement comes, requires gentle correction and a challenge in the context of affirmation. Sixthly, encouragement is given through grace. Notice Paul's last words here. Grace be with you. That sounds like the force be with you, doesn't it? But you know what? Grace is a lot better than the force. He says, grace be with you. Do you know what his opening words were to this church in Colossians 1? Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Grace to you and grace be with you. Grace is unmerited favor. Everything that Paul did was done through grace. Paul taught this church the centrality of Christ. He is the maker, the sustainer, and the firstborn above all creation. He's the head of the church, the hope of glory. And we were crucified with him, raised with him, and therefore we should daily seek to look like him. Everything that we do, including encouraging one another, should be done through grace. Why? Because we have been the recipients of his grace. And so if we are going to encourage one another, make sure that we are doing it through grace. And here's, here's something that I think would be very helpful to all of us. Jesus reminds us, give and it shall be what? Given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing will men give into your bosoms. So if you want encouragement, what do you have to do? Give it. And you give it in through grace. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.